My friends, and welcome to Armor Party, a show celebrating the costumes and costumers of Star Wars. I am your host, Mike Forrester. Thank you all for such a warm reception to our previous episode. I'm so glad you stuck around. It was a long one, I know, but it was so very worth it. Thank you to Paul for being an amazing person and sitting down with us and having such a great conversation. There's lots of news this week about being able to rock a costume on the new Galactic Star Cruiser at Disney. I feel like we should be doing a Batu bounding episode coming up here? Let's figure that out. I think it would be awesome. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you haven't done so yet, to give us just a quick review on iTunes. It helps validate the show, does the algorithm thing, blah, blah. So if you're able, that helps us a ton. Now, you're listening to Armor Party because you are ready to learn, and who did I get schooled in the world of silicone, makeup, and application, and paint? This is one episode you don't want to miss, especially if you're planning on building, say, a certain former Jedi Togruta, or maybe a blue Chiss tactician. Crank up that volume. Get out those makeup sponges, dust off those mirrors, and enjoy. Whether it's piloting the ghost, leading the Inferno Squadron, or fulfilling her duties as Fulcrum, my next guest truly becomes the character she portrays. As an actor, she takes her costumes to the next level by picking up on subtleties that are so convincing you might forget you're not actually in a galaxy far, far away. You've recognized this Ukrainian talent that's been featured in countless posts, recaps, and digital galleries for her flawless depictions of Star Wars characters across animation, film, and video games. Yet today, we get to sit down with the awesome human underneath it all, Ray Kennix. Welcome to the Armor Party. Hello, and thank you for having me. Ray, I'm excited to be able to connect with you. I know that uh, I, I, I stumbled when I, when I had started my side business, Hondo Supply, I, you know, I was just kind of looking through other costumers and other 501st members, and I came across your stuff, and I was like, holy cow, this is your whole account. It just has fantastic portrayals of these characters and done so well in such a great representation of the style in which we first see them and whether it's Harrison Dula or it's Iden Versio, it's so cool to see someone who is detail oriented enough that, like I said, it's really hard to not convince myself that you're not just them. I think it's awesome. So I'm happy <laughs> to be able to connect with you on armor party and talk about this. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. I really want to get into the background of your Star Wars story and kind of learning, because I know that you do all kinds of different science fictions, and I I, I can totally see that sci you are a sci-fi person at heart, which is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but obviously, for yeah for our, for our listeners, I'm sure we could talk about Blade Runner and all the other awesome stuff that you do, but obviously, we have, we have a Star Wars podcast to get to. So, Ray, tell me a little bit about your Ukrainian, and, and I would love to know more about American experts as a Star Wars, you know, that's one of our best exports as uh, as a country is Star Wars and Star Wars geek culture. What was that like 
in Europe at the time when you were growing up and, and what, what has been your Star Wars story thus far? Well, like you said, I was born and grew up in Ukraine, but my family is Russian. So they moved from Moscow and St. Petersburg. Uh, so I'm basically Russian, but <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, so Star Wars and that part of the world, of course, it's known and of course, it's loved. When I was growing up, though, um, it still was very new to that audience because uh, post-Soviet times, Western culture just started to seep in into Eastern Europe. So I didn't really watch Star Wars growing up. So my first real encounter with it was the prequels. And I was a teen, so I saw it in the movie theater with my best friend. And that's how it all started. So, of course, I was left at first sight. Um, <laughs> yes, and especially episode two. That's when I really began to understand Star Wars and connect to it and not just treat it as just entertainment. That's, I think, when our true love story began. Right. And and did you feel, you know, when you see these movies, like what, and, and I've, I'm always fascinated because what about Star Wars versus all of the other science fiction that, in my opinion, was built off the idea of Star Wars? Star Wars opened up people's minds to being like, I could come up with anything, and as long as there's a great backstory, we could build crazy ideas conceptually within film. Um, what was it about Star Wars for you that you really connected to? You know, what was it about Star Wars that you was it the characters? Was it the the design of the of the overall world building? Like, what was it for you that Star Wars really just kind of took a hold of you? I think the best thing about Star Wars is that it's so vast and diverse and deep and detailed that every person will find their own interest point in it, whatever it could be. And for me personally, I'm a very um, diverse person too. I have so many interests and um, I love being entertained. I love deep intellectual stuff. I like to learn new things. I like to see how other people create stories and intertwine them, how those characters grow. So there's a lot of things. And all of that I found in Star Wars. I think it's the only universe probably in the world that has all of this combined. It has deep philosophy underneath. Uh, it's very spiritual. Uh, but on top, you have incredible humor, adventures, fantasies, whatever, you name it. So for me, it was just the ultimate place to come and enjoy it from every aspect. That And that's a great point. I think Star Wars is one of those things that checks almost every box. And if you're looking for it, you can kind of figure out how Star Wars can fit in so many different genres. So getting into the, the podcast here on Armor Party, I would love to know where costuming started for you was it what were you into costuming you can tell kid. the customers because every time i talk to them i say what's your favorite holiday they all say halloween i love dressing mm -hmm. up halloween is my you know and you know i know that that cultures are different of course wherever you are in the world but what how did you get into costuming and where like when that switch happened for you to say you know what i'm gonna I'm going to become that character. Like, wh what was that for you that that you got into costuming and said, this is really fun I, and I, I want to keep going and, and, and making more? Well, it, it's funny that it coincided, but for me, acting and cosplaying started literally at the same time. Because before that, when I was shooting my music videos, I got to be those characters that I invented and dress up as them and act as them, those little films. Uh, and that's when I realized how much I love it. 
And I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I decided to become a professional actor and filmmaker. Uh, so I was already on that train. And right when that decision was made, I watched The Force Awakens. And the stars aligned because I saw this movie with the brand new eyes. I saw it not just from a point of view of a fan like before, but I saw it from the point of view of an actor and of a storyteller. And oh my gosh, I, I want to do something like that. I want to play someone like that. So it changed everything. And of course, my first thought was, well, how about I start with doing the costume and the hairstyle and then seeing what that's going to feel like. So I went back home, did the triple buns right away and uh, went on to research about race costume, made the costume, wore the costume to a convention and there was no looking back after that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I can only imagine that her name popping up finally once her character name is un unveiled. Um, you know, my name is Mike. So I don't think I'm ever going to see a mic in Star Wars. It's pretty boring. But the the I'm I'm looking at you know from and that's a that's such a a great point that you make about the Force Awakens because I think the Force Awakens for a lot of people and you know we're we're both adults we started looking at Star Wars less through the eyes of a child in terms of the wonderment and we started to notice that there were other humans that had built these mm -hmm. costumes and started making decisions. And we were able to start to break down that we were seeing something, appreciate it from a storytelling level, appreciate it from the incredible visual effects that are in that movie. But once you kind of get into costuming, you start to look at it completely different. And so I think The Force Awakens kind of reignited that inner child in a lot of us to mm -hmm. get excited about Star Wars again and then take it to say, I, I want to have fun and start building these costumes. So Ray was actually your first, she was the first costume that mm -hmm. you, you know, it, it, were you a convention goer before then? And then... No, I only went, I think, once to New York Comic Con just to look at comics and artists and that's it. So I've, sure. I, I was very new to LA and I didn't know anything about com comic cons or cosplayers here, literally brand new. So I just Googled what was the closest convention was and it was not that far away so that's where I went and I had such a blast and I met a lot of geeks and I was overwhelmed like oh my goodness how did I not know this existed before <laughs> you know the other part is you meet other people at these events conventions meetups whatever they are and they all normalize the uh, like desire to be able to create a character for yourself or mm -hmm. represent a character offline. I mean, I'm sorry, represent a character from a film and, and kind of how we have our little obsessions over like, I want to bring this character to life. Most other normal people would be like, oh, you want to play dress up? But like here at a convention, <laughs> you have people who are like cheering for it. Like, yes, you did it. That's awesome. So it's, it's, you kind of find your own tribe, right? You find yeah. people who, who obviously support you in that endeavor. So you're new to the convention. This is also overwhelming. You build this costume. And then from there, like, had you heard about organizations like the 501st or like where, how was, how were you introduced to kind of the, the, the greater establishment of hobbyists and costumers all across the world? Like what was, what was that for you? Oh, the very first day, the, the very first convention, I come up to these tables five of first rebel legion and i have no clue what this is but they were like oh my goodness that's a great way you should join us i'm like all right tell me more <laughs> so right there they told me everything about it and i 
joined them right away almost. I was sold. I mean, you can you can wear this and do good things with it and hang out and help animals or kids and do parades. Hands down. I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> yep, sign me up. <laughs> I'm I'm there. Let me know. So from there, I I I'm curious because I'm I'm going to ask you so many questions because I think your your builds are are so great. So from there, what was the costume after that, so, you know, The Force Awakens now establishes Rey as a character. Mm-hmm. And then kind of at that same time, like, we start getting awesome video games start coming out. Battlefront, then Battlefront 2 comes out and introduces this whole new set of special ops characters like Aiden. Um, how did you... What was that? Was Aiden your next character, or what? What no. came in in progression? Um, after Ray, I decided to do something simple, and I did Harris and Dula. <laughs> oh, simple, yeah. Okay. No, it was I not simple. Right. It's to this day. <laughs> I think it's that one costume to this day that I think was the most painstakingly made for me. It was just insanely hard. As simple as it, it it looks compared to Ahsoka, for example, but no, it was not. So I did Hera. I still didn't know how I did it. It was uh, lots of nights in the garage with uh, yeah. raccoons and everything. Uh, <laughs> they were just peeking on me. Uh, true story, by the way. I was I was getting ready to go to San Diego ca- Comic Con at night. I was finishing something at the last minute, of course, and the garage door was open and I had those little critters coming in and checking on me. Okay, like, yeah, struggling way. So yeah, so Hera was the next one, and um, I thought that after Hera, I can tackle anything. So the next one, yes, as soon as Battlefront was even announced, it didn't come out yet. But my friend from Fiverr First reached out and said, hey, this is an amazing game coming out, and they have this absolutely bad pilots in there, the squad, we don't yeah. know much about them, but they look amazing. We're going to make the costumes. Do you want to be Aiden? And I'm like, heck Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah, be. Let's go. I want to be Aiden. So that started that build, and this one was the one that I did a lot of work on myself, of course, with help of the friends, because I was pretty new to armor building then, and sure. um, I went to a couple of armor parties where people hey. brought their equipment. Yeah, so they showed me how to use that machine, that machine, the sanding, yeah. everything. So I was trimming the armor, painting, repainting, taking pieces out and in. It was a lot of work. And uh, I did commission a couple things, like the boots, they're screen accurate. Sure. That's something sure. beyond my realm of possibility. But yeah, but overall, that was a, that was a very cool build. I think I learned so much and uh, bonded with other Five of First members because that's my only Five of First costume right now. So if I'm trooping, that's in Aiden. And she's great. She's great. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, she's, you know, it seems like all your characters are good. Uh, and, and maybe we need to get you a costume that's just straight up dark side that stays that way. I didn't, you know, she's, she, <laughs> yeah, her, I know. her story was, was so great in the, you know, at the beginning I'm like, yes, we get to see in the Imperial side. And then it played out and I went, oh, well, you know, I get yeah. it. Um, but I want to, I want to get back to Hera because I, I, I love your portrayal of Hera and around that time rebels. And I'm just curious as your background, because I find everyone's answer to a question like this kind of fascinating. A show like Rebels is was kind of geared more towards kids, younger audiences. Yet I find so many older fans love that show and those characters because they they embody a core part of Star Wars, which is if you find people that you love and trust, 
they don't need to be blood to be family. Mm-hmm. And Hera is kind of like the joke is space mom, right? She's, yeah. she's kind of the one that runs mm-hmm. the whole crew. And so what is it about a character for you? Um, just because I know that you do the details, you've obviously done your homework. What is it about a character that you see on screen that you really connect with to say, I'm going to put in, I'm going to lose a year of my life to recreating this costume, especially one that's animated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what is it about a character that you really, that you connect with that makes you want to build them? You know, honestly, animated ones are my favorite because you can be creative, more creative in how you bring them to life and how you interpret the materials, the textures, the look. So that's my favorite. So Hera was very exciting, not only from the creative standpoint, but also personality-wise. I think that um, she's definitely in the top of my favorite favorite characters in star wars but i never do a cosplay of a character that i don't relate to it always has to resonate with me so i always have to see some similarities within us so i can um, use that as a guideline and for Hera, i think first when i just saw her like you said rebels uh was made for younger audiences but i think as the show progressed it became so much more mature and deep and even dark in places and um, hera had so many colors in her as a character from the beginning to the end and her arc and everything so i think um what i love about her is that she's this um ultimate walking conundrum because she's coming from a, a twilight species and their women sure. are known to be very elegant very feminine they're usually are dancers they have this reputation of just being pretty but for her it's absolutely not the case she has the spirit of a fighter and she's so right. unconventional later we got a little bit more of the twilight characters that are just like her but but she was the first sure. one and the most prominent one so she combines this nurturing nature and this fierceness and she's at the same time she still is so just beautiful inside and out it was a in in love yes hard eyes and yeah, um, yeah. so i wanted to um recreate her because to me also as an actor it's such a complex character and it, she's so interesting to portray she has this elegant walk when she's moving. It's so like a dance. It's so fascinating. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. she has blasters. She's flying the spaceship. It's just so cool. I, I just get excited right. just talking about it. And I think for a lot of those characters too, we I'm I'm so glad that we're getting fleshed out characters that have this layer of depth to them that oftentimes is really hard to come across in just an hour and a half or a two hour movie, right? Like we've spent, you know, we spend three, four, five, six seasons with some of these characters and you really get to like develop more about who they are. And I, I, I tend to, you know, feel like animation, especially for Star Wars, is really an incredible outlet for storytelling that most people still kind of sleep on, you know? And it was, you know, and I, and I, I feel bad for people that watched The Mandalorian that didn't scream at the top of their lungs when they saw Bo-Katan show up to save Din in season two, or that didn't that didn't feel the weight of what it was like seeing a live action Ahsoka Tano on screen. And I think that's really cool that you had that connection to them that makes you think less about, oh, it's a cool costume because it's a fantastic costume. Of course. But being able to emulate that character in, in a character that speaks to you 
or something about it that kind of mm-hmm. says, you know, how can you, you know, how are you going to gloss over this character and this character and this character? But for some reason, this character really sticks out to you. So I think I, I that's why I'm curious. I always ask people that question when they when they do face characters because there's got to be something there. To me, the most interesting and exciting part in all this costuming, cosplaying. Uh, activities is uh, being the character in costume and living a little piece of their life on screen or on photo, whatever it is, just in person, rather than making the costume. So it that comes first, not even the look of the character, but, but who they are. I want to get into nitty gritty because I know that some people are listening to this and they've seen your work and they have questions. I can assure you of that. So, Ray, most of your characters that are probably your most popular are covered in paint. Your <laughs> skin is green or it's orange. It's one thing to say, oh, I've, I'm painting a little bit of my fingers or I'm painting some putting eyeliner on. This is like a full on, your ears are green, your friggin' fingers are orange. Mm-hmm. What what was kind of your your intro to you know, having, you know, figuring out what kind of body paint works well, what kind of, you know, how, how do you go about matching colors? Is it, does it change a little bit? Have you, have you identified certain products that you think work really well? I would love to know details because anything that I don't know how to do, I'm fascinated by. (laughs) And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, uh, anyone from Ryloth anytime soon, but I love the idea that I can learn about the process because it's fascinating to me. You could be a a flesh color Twi'lek. So you don't have to paint anything. Yeah, I gotta shave my face then too. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's a little life hack. If you don't want to paint yourself but want to be a twilight, do the flesh colored ones. It's very easy. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So um, yeah, going back to the body paint. Yeah, it's about for a soak at twenty dollars worth of body paint every time. That's how wow. much paint goes into it. So it was for me. Um, because it was a trial and error process. And if you look at my earlier pictures of Hera and Ahsoka and current pictures are very different and the makeup changes and sure. the colors change. So I just started from um, from scratch. I bought a bunch of different things and I was trying them out. Every time I would go to a convention or have a shoot, uh, I would do it a little bit differently and see what works. And plus, I know that I've had so many conversations with other cosplayers who reach out and want to talk about the paint. So everyone's sure. skin is very different. And depending on what your skin is, you have either more freedom to use certain things or less freedom. You know, if you have oily skin, skin you don't, you cannot use oil-based products because you'll all be sweaty and oily and greasy. And vice sure. versa, if you have very dry skin, air, um, sorry, alcohol-based paints will not work for you because they'll dry it even more, and you'll be all crackly and peeling and everything. So gotcha. you got to start with you, uh, what kind of a skin you have, and then pick the products first and foremost. It has to be healthy. Do not damage yourself. And then there's so many options available right now. There's tons of brands that make all kinds of paints. I usually like to use a combination of different different ones. For example, for Hera, I started with um, cream-based foundation and the color coverage was incredible, but it was not good for my skin. So sure. I switched to alcohol-based instead. For Ahsoka, I change things a little bit depending on how long I need to be wearing the paint. If it's a long shooting day, it's going to be alcohol-based because it sticks better. If it's not, it's going to be water-based. I prefer that. And then for the white markings, I use also a mix of uh, water-based pancake paint and then alcohol-based pancake pancake paint. 
So I have brushes and everything and I can adjust um, to how I want it. For example, areas where my headpiece sets, it will rub right. off faster. So that's where I put more and alcohol based and then spray the setting spray so it stays. And then other areas that I'm not touching, it can be a little lighter. So basically, yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. And, and for the color, it probably has been different every single time until we started uh, shooting fulcrum because by then I nailed the color I wanted to do. Got it. And I use my own custom mix. I usually buy four different shades and I mix it in a bottle and try and try and try to make sure it blends with my skin very well and looks natural. Because one thing that I did not consider when I was just beginning to do it, that body paint will not be opaque. It will more or less will, will show your skin from underneath your skin tone. So if you choose oh. the right shade, it will clash. And I've never seen that in any tutorial, in any video. Nobody says anything about it. But especially with Ahsoka, you can get away with having your skin shine through a little bit. So it's easier to adjust the color. For Hera, it has to be green. So if you choose the right coverage, uh, the wrong coverage or the wrong shade, you'll have this muddy flesh tone under current going on and is horrible uh, sure, so you have sure. to layer and layer and it takes twice as much paint and also never heard about that before so i didn't know and yeah it's pretty crazy um it's it's all we can have another podcast about just the, the makeup <laughs> but in a not in a nutshell yes pancake paint is like it's uh you know it, it, it's is that a brand or is it a style of paint? It's a style. It comes in um okay. like in a pancake palette. It's hard. Oh, it's flour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like powder. Yeah, but it's it. it's it's caked into the the hard form, and then you have to spray some kind of activator on it, whether it's alcohol or water, just water, and use a brush or a sponge and swish yeah. it around, and then apply it. Well, I I find it. This is what I love about customers, right? So. You look at the behind the scenes of, of actors who are getting paid very well, and you hear about stories of, you know, I even look at someone like Drax from Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, where Dave Bautista has these, you know, these scarring mm -hmm. prosthetics that he has to put on, then they paint him gray. And, you know, he's in the makeup chair for an insane amount of time. And then I see Rosario Dawson in the behind the scenes, and she's understandably so getting painted up in her orange look. And But you're a costumer. Like there, there is no big paycheck and you're still putting in just as much work <laughs> to, to have this character come across. So how long does that process, let's look at someone like Hera, let's say, um, who, which, which character has more skin exposed? Is it, Ahsoka. Oh, it's Ahsoka, her, her arms, right? Yes. But you know what? Ahsoka's makeup takes longer, but it's easier to do than Hera's. Is it Finally because enough. you said that there's transparent quality versus Hera has to be straight up green? Because of that, yes. And also Hera's face makeup is a little bit trickier to do. Uh, Ahsoka has, I'm usually not using anything on Ahsoka, what I do for Hera in terms of just makeup, makeup, like on the eyes and, and all of that. So overall, like the difficulty scale of Hera is higher. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The markings um, are tricky, and, but... I learned. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And then do you for for Ahsoka specifically her her, you know, forehead symbol, that's a you know, do you, you do stenciling? What is the process for doing that? Well let me answer your previous question when you said about putting work. I'd say um 
being in a makeup chair as an actor too and doing everything myself i'd say i uh, we put more work into it than actors who just sit there and while they're being painted because have a crew do it of course <laughs> i right, wish right. i wish i had a crew every time because uh, the thing is that uh, when you are doing everything yourself and ahsoka let's say takes about four hours now used to be five but now i learned to expedite the process so now it's about four hours by the time you're done with just your makeup of intense focusing and painting everything, you're already tired. Yeah. But then you have a 14-hour day ahead of you where you still have to be on point and be acting or moving or whatever it is you're doing. So, of course, right. I'd rather have someone who could do everything on me while I rest, prepare, think about my role and, you know, relax. So that would be much better. And what I think the only reason why I'm doing this, the motivation for that is because I love those characters so much, an opportunity to be them for a little bit and to create something with them. It's so exciting to me that I'm willing to go through whatever it takes to do it. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, and I know. think I think it's it's because you love the characters. Of I think course. that's, you know, there's there's like a way of channeling and honoring and i've talked about this before on the podcast where we talk about accuracy right which mm -hmm. is this like thing that customers very easily go down a slippery slope over starting to poo poo people that don't have something that's a one of one complete accurate representation of what they saw on screen and i know that in some regards we talk about costuming in terms of uniformity we need we need people to the, the work that we do to go in front of people, we want them to believe that they are seeing the actual character. So I understand that accuracy has to have some regard to standards, but I feel like oftentimes we get lost in that desire to want to replicate things when if you have a character, a cosplayer, a costumer that looks pretty much like Ahsoka Tano and acts like Ahsoka Tano and has that vibe puts off this aura that it is Ahsoka Tano. You don't care if the, there's freaking Phillips head screws in the bottom of the lightsabers. No one looks at that. Of course, they look at you and your portrayal of that. Yeah, so I think I, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, the essence of the character. You're exactly right. And going back to your question about stencils, I used to use stencils that were exactly like um, her face markings and rebels. So they were sure. just same as much as I could. Um, duplicate that. But then, talking about accuracy, I figured that I wanted my Ahsoka to look more like um, a real person versus just the animated version closest that's sure. why I adjusted my makeup completely and I switched to hand painting all, all of the designs uh, because I know it, it's a little trickier to do, but it started to look so much more organic. It started to look natural, like it's really on the skin. And I could do more blending on the edges. I changed the shapes just a little bit because I felt like my face is not an, an animated face. So how would, would those designs flow with my facial structure, where they'd be longer or shorter or thicker? Right. So I found this optimal thing for me. And I don't think that if it's not exactly 100%, it's necessarily a bad thing, especially if you're transitioning sure. an animated character to life. There's so many questions that it's up to you to answer. How do you want that to look? So right, and I yeah, yeah, and I feel like part of that is uh, trial and error, mm -hmm. and we also have to realize, especially when it comes to animation, it's very tricky because you know the process of animation is we have detail mapping, we have texture mapping, 
Ahsoka's face in the program has art mapped onto it. And so it's not a realistic version. Mm -hmm. That's what I was excited to see her in The Mandalorian and see their take on it. What what I believe Legacy Effects was the one who brought her to life. Um, seeing what they did, I mean, it all it was logical. It was a logical step into bringing her into realism. And it, I and I obviously tip my hat to them and also to you because, you, you know, there's to understand that and to learn that process and to make creative decisions to say this might not be the most accurate to an animated show. But like you said, you're not an animated, you know, you're not a rigged character in, you know, you're, you have flesh and bones and all that. So I think it's really cool to see when, when costumers take liberties to make a costume fit their body mm -hmm. and, and especially pull it off to the level of believability that I think that you do. So yeah, but my, thank you. my hat, my, my leku is off to you, Ray. Is that what thank, I'm supposed to thank say? Thank you. Yeah, I guess. So you <laughs> technically, if you cut it off your head and, and take it out. There we go. I guess, you know what? I guess there we go. Cosplay is just a cool thing that everyone can do it and everyone can find their own reasons to do it. And mostly it's for creativity and expression. So of course we're all different people. So whatever suits you, whatever you feel comfortable with, um, you might start to do it for yourself because it's fun, but then sometimes it grows bigger than that. And you start seeing people react to that and then it becomes about them and, and it becomes about giving them something cool, share it with your, I don't know, friends, fans of the fandom. Yeah. So yeah. it becomes more of a, community thing. Well, you've done a really great job managing. Costumers have some of the coolest Instagrams in my, and, and we're in such a digital age now. It's like, I have to obviously associate people's profiles with how they choose to curate their content. And I give you and John Rodriguez and Brian Cook and all these people a lot of props because you highlight people like Mark Edwards, who's a brilliant portrait photographer, and you work with them enough that they start to get their own recognition within the costuming community. When you work with filmers, when you work with photographers, and understanding that like those images that people are able to post and people get that initial, I got to stop scrolling and look at this image. Wow. Like that's, that's you. That's the model. That's the subject indeed. But there's something about a great photographer that also understands what the the look of what they're going. It's a, it's a, it's a very harmonious relationship that you have to trust a photographer mm -hmm. for someone on your level that you, that understands when they walk away from you, that they have your best intentions in mind to say, I want to bring this character to life as well, because they're standing right in front of me. What tips do you have for working with photographers and being comfortable with. I see people who will make a $3,000 costume and put in hours and hours and hours of time and then take go out in their backyard and take a picture with their iPhone. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, you got to do this thing justice. This is so cool. Yeah. Like what, 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 uh, what's your relationship with photographers like? Yeah, well, actually jumping on that, you never know what Instagram's going to promote because I have this picture from... Uh, the beach when I'm doing the parking ticket as Ahsoka and it's one of the most liked photos on my feed and I'm like okay <laughs> on the phone people why just, okay <laughs> okay Instagram decided it's valuable so fine so you never know yeah. not to say you can't take pictures on your own iPhone but with the photographers I noticed that most uh, cosplayers have their own 
team of photographers they usually work with and it's not just uh, random i guess as a person you connect creatively and personally with others uh, and you stick together and you like to enjoy each other's company and you create something so you have to find a person that you're comfortable with just on a personal level so somebody you trust somebody who can listen to you who gets you uh, and then whose work you like so this way you're just go inside on all levels and you can vibe and you can go out there and go crazy and do whatever it is. Yeah. So it has to be, I think, a personal connection first and foremost and the same creative vision. It's good to push sometimes each other in a different direction. So somebody who will offer to try new things and uh, take a different perspective, it's always cool uh, to grow together, I think. And like, for example, you mentioned Mark, Mark's incredible and, um, for me, it's very important in a person that they are not only professional, but also respectful and kind and willing to yeah. say yes to my crazy ideas. Because Mark knows if I'm <laughs> I'm calling and like whatever time I'm saying, Mark, I have this crazy idea. He's like, all right, where should I be? Where should I take? Where, what are we doing? <laughs> like yeah. That's it. It's the amount of trust. And whoever I'm shooting with on a regular level, they have the same thing. So they're, I think we, we built enough um, of a relationship already, working relationship and fr friendships that uh, we know it's going to be something always fun, always exciting. So um, I don't have to think, oh my goodness, are they going to be okay? Am I going to feel comfortable? Yeah. I think it's my photographers who always question if they are going to be comfortable because it's usually some <laughs> cliffs or dumpsters or some very shady areas we shoot at all the time. So they have to trust I'm not going to kidnap them or something. Sure, sure. Well, that, that that's brings up a great point. I want to talk about this. You just got done filming this short film that is a it's it's the the VFX are awesome. The the whole vibe of the spirit is is such a homage to the spirit of the characters and the excitement and and how we all feel about seeing you know expanded Mandalore on cam uh, on camera. Um, how how we feel about seeing. Old Man Rex live action, um, and and this portrayal of Ahsoka, which is different than obviously Rosario Dawson's version, but it it a lot of fans of yours and your work have connected to it. But in the physicality of the costumes, which is something that a lot of people overlook, that it's one thing to build a costume that is hanging on by a thread and you get a bunch of pictures with it. You stand there and you go, okay, my picture's done. Cool. I built this. But then it's another thing to take your costume up into the woods of California and climb over rocks and need to jump and, you know, and, and wear heavy cloaks and all this kind of stuff. So what have you learned about the physicality of building a costume especially for a character that isn't, you know, it's not like you're an Imperial officer that just stands there with your arms behind your back, just pointing at things. Ahsoka Tano is a swordsmith. Like she is jumping and flipping and kneeling and all this kind of stuff. What have you learned about building costumes with an expectation that you're going to, you're going to be physical in this costume? Have you had to adjust builds? Have you, have you found plastic doesn't work as well as you know silicone or rubber and other points like what have you learned about wearing a costume that you have to act in versus just take a picture in let me tell you one thing this costume was not intended for any of that initially and there were a lot of damages done to it in this process there were screws lost there were 
uh, buckles torn off and I don't know, they're somewhere still in the Big Bear Mountains. So, yes, um, <laughs> there were straps torn off and the paint rubbed off. All of that happened. So every time I had to go back home and fix everything. And uh, I think that the only thing that worked for this is that I'm always doing my best to make it sturdy and practical because even at conventions, sure. I don't like just to to walk around and stand. All my characters are very action heavy. So I know that at a convention, I'm going to, I'm going to have to pose, I'm going to have to move and it needs to be uh, sturdy. I don't want to be, you know, fixing things in the middle of a con floor. So I guess that's right. what, that was the thing that helped a lot with this particular costume that I made it comfortable and um, adjusted everything so that I could move freely and do all the poses for Ahsoka. And of course, I it was right. not meant for 40 minute hikes up the mountains in full armor. No. So, <laughs> right. yeah. So it's still there in my garage right now and it still needs repairs after that. And I had to remake little details almost every single time after we shot something because of the, again, a, a lot of movements and um, lunges and all of that. But now what I've learned is that if I want to shoot something action heavy with it i will definitely need to readjust certain details to make them more sturdy and i i know now what looks uh, good on screen what you can see what you really cannot see so in those places sure. uh, those places are good for reinforcements for example like inside or inside the boots i added some velcro because the little buckles kept broke breaking off so i added some velcro mm. all um all along the inner seam of the leg armor so this way, if the little buckle was you know, just broke off in the middle of the move, the boot would still stay on. So just little Got creative it. adjustments like that. And Velcro is best friend of a cosplayer. <laughs> Costume hacks with Ray Kennix. Oh You're learning goodness. it right here. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I was pretty careful not to do damage anything beyond repair. Uh, but I think the trickiest part was uh, the headpiece to do all of the movements with it. The problem with it is that it was not mold molded to my head exactly. So it's heavy, very heavy. And if you make a, a big motion, it wants to move and move off your head. <laughs> so I had to also adjust certain things inside to make sure it stays put as much as possible and just be uh, mindful of it. And if it's there, you know, you have to adjust your physicality and how you move, how you stand, how you walk uh, to make sure that it all looks organic and real. But for the next one, I want to make a new one for sure that would allow way more uh, flexibility because uh, my little dream is to do a good stunt scene with the rigging when I can do flying and, and flipping and jumping. And for that, I have to have the same headpiece that I have same shape, but in a lighter material that will stay better on my head. So that's the next step sure. I'm doing. Uh, so I've got to I've got to ask you about this because I feel like you get caught in the crossfire of people see costumers and they love your representation of Ahsoka and then we see Ahsoka live on screen and her her leku is shorter than what people mm -hmm. had last saw her in Clone Wars season 7 where like the leku is like down to her freaking belt, yes. right? And there's a, and, and you, like, even just you bringing up that point of saying the, the real, the real issue here is that these are foam, latex, they, they're not, it's not air weight, like they're heavy, they have to be applied to your head 
is it glued on, Mm-mm. Ray? How, how do you, how do you, or just kind of suctions on no, your head? No, it doesn't really suck to your head, but inside there's expandable foam. So I, I okay. refilled it with lightweight expandable foam. And then when it dried, I started carving it with a knife a uh, little bit by little bit and trying it on and trying it on to make sure that the shape that I carved matches my skull shape with hair on it. Sure. And so this way, bit by bit, sure. I got the right shape. So when I put it on, it's like a helmet, basically. Uh, it, it supports right. it right in the right spots and doesn't move as much. So getting to, okay, that's, and that's awesome because I had actually no idea how that, 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 like that this is not the best way. And stays this on. is not the best way to do it. I know how to do it the best way. This is not it. So that's why I'm planning the next one already with that in mind. Got it. So in in kind of getting back to my original point, the fandom sees something on screen. Yeah. They see something else on screen, and then suddenly they're yelling at concept storyboard people who work in the VFX world that are, in my opinion, being very cool with us as fans and costumers to show us behind the mm-hmm. scenes of how they how they do some of this stuff and and they have no obligation to do that and then you have people who are commenting on their social media profiles and they're tagging you as if you're like you know ray does it better why didn't you why didn't you do mm-hmm. this and you're sitting here going i just love costuming i'm i'm not asking to re- be replacing anybody i'm not asking to work at legacy effects and i feel bad in a way that people need to also yes. respect professionalism yes, for people who've been working at because i know that that's your intention is to do what Ray can exactly your your intention right you want to be a costumer that's independent of saying this is how mm-hmm. I do it and just that we have like almost people can't turn off their brain between saying here's a person who loves the character then we have a person who works in a studio that's working a job mm-hmm. a professionalism professional job and they also love the character and so why can't we have both and is there you know do we do we straight up tell people please stop doing that and respect professionals because i would want people to respect you too for not see not being a version of ahsoka tano right yeah uh, that's a very good point actually because i i answer yeah basically straight on tell people please do not bash anyone, respect their job as well and their work because they put a lot of work in it. Right. At, at some point, I, I just don't have a physical capacity to answer every single comment like yeah. that. But every time I see something yeah. like that, yeah, it makes me feel bad because if you appreciate something I've done, just just keep to that. And I do have a lot of respect for everyone who works in Lucasfilm, even if... Um, I don't necessarily have to love everything they do, uh, design-wise, let's say. Sure. Uh, it doesn't matter. Of it course. It doesn't matter because they might not like what I do either. It's okay. So for me, it's it's still professional. It's what they do. It's canon. It's what they make for us. So I do have respect for them as a professional to a professional because I know how much work it takes, how much effort it takes, and all of the time they put into it. Uh, It's crazy. So, of course, I I can definitely respect them. I'm not going to bash anyone. And I I don't feel good when people compare it like that because like you said my vision and my version is my own thing i don't do it to uh, put anyone down i'm just having fun i'm expressing myself this is how i want to portray this and if you like it great then let's just keep on positive and that's it 
we have to be supportive. Absolutely. And and that that's and that's a mindset that I think that sometimes the costuming community needs to, you know, we, we need to remind ourselves of that because the work and and how, you know, concept designer Brian Matias, you know, people are like tweeting at him, why isn't the Leku longer? And there's so much that we don't know. Like the fact that that you have recognized in just your costuming that Leku, your Leku has to be lighter because you want to get into rigging. And maybe if the shape needs to change a little bit, because like you, you have your arms moving around and there's all these motions and looking and flipping and all that you've, you've figured out well, that there is a difference between an actor that, that stands in largely upright versus now you've figured out that, yeah, if I want to do flips and stuff, I might have to change some of the physical attributes of this costume, right? And, and they've lear- they obviously know that too. So I, I, I feel like we've all learned, we're all learning. That's kind of the, the point, right? Yeah, I guess so. The more you do, the more you learn. And in terms of Leku, I know I have been sworn with comments about uh, her headpiece and everything. Um, my headpiece, like I said, was not made for stunts. It was made to stand sure. straight. I still managed to do some stuff in it uh, just to kind of challenge myself. And I guess challenge is the key word because I have a very particular idea of how my live action Ahsoka version should look like, move like, talk like, and do her stunts right. like. And to me, it's a personal challenge. Can I make that version my ideal version of her, how I can portray it with my body? Can I make that even better and do that with the headpiece I'm envisioning? And I know because I have a silicone leco for Hera, and I know what that feels like, and that is allowing to do anything. So I know I can do something like that with my Ahsoka. So for me, it's more of a personal challenge. Again, I was not on set of Mandalorian. I don't know what they did. I don't know um, in terms of stunt work, what they were doing, how they were working. It all is so personal. So I don't I don't sure. know, and it's not me, and I'm my own person. So whatever I can do is different. And I want to see where the limit of that is. I'm not, of course, a huge company yeah. that can hire anyone and a huge stunt team and everything. Sure. I'm only yeah. me. But but it's, again, it's a personal right. challenge. And this little film that we did showed me that, okay, you know what? I want to give it a try. I have enough confidence in my friends that can help me make it. And uh, I just want to grow as an actor, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. And that is a part of my work too so the leku i personally prefer the longer ones you can see from ayasoka it's not no sure no brainer even though i totally love the mandalorian costume i'm making that one it's incredible i think all the samurai references all her older parts of her costumes from before incorporated into it uh, just uh, incredible so that I'm doing the Leku, yeah. my personal preference is the longer Leku, not only because it's more accurate to Rebels version, but to me, it's sure. such an integral part of a Ahsoka's essence because she's such a regal figure. She's slender, tall, very poised, very elegant, very graceful. And that Leku and Montreal, the tall ones, they add to that right. um Almost, I'm not going to say godlike, but like Gandalf-like magical figure. She <laughs> yeah. always seems so otherworldly, like she's a creature that touched other worlds, and she did. So she always feels right. above the reality. She's hovering somewhere in the realms of 
you know, world between worlds. And she's something more, right? She's the the Mariah. She's the Mariah. Mariah, She's something else. And that Leku, it adds to that whole um, perception of her as that. So to me, when I have the longer hairpiece on, it's like putting putting on that element of uh, otherworldliness and um, regality in a way. So that's why I'm going to keep keep to that. The the more she ages them, the longer they get, the more she becomes this, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this, this awe-inspiring creature that she is. And that's why I'm sticking to sure, it. Right. But again, right. um, I know a lot of amazing customers, cosplayers have been recreating that version of Ahsoka and they look fantastic in it. It looks just like the show, yeah. like Jedi Amanda. It's like, oh my goodness. Um, it's just She's awesome. So yeah. good. I, I, hope, I hope to get her on the show, I mean the, and and kind of just another question, just because I'm I, I have you, I'm talking about this, you know. I see other cosplayers too, and forgive me of my ignorance for not understanding like makeup. Um, I see someone like Allison Tabitha mm-hmm. that does a lot of like face sculpting mm-hmm. through, um, through through makeup and yes. through contour shading and all that kind of stuff. Have you have you what has been your experience with that? I mean, you're. It's with under the face paint and the way that you pose each of the characters different. I see the characters. I feel like for someone with my features, it's like you're pretty much going to see me in a different mm-hmm. costume, which is why I always wear a helmet. But the point the point is, is, you know, have you experimented with like, you know, changing facial structure of like cheekbones? Um, you know, because I, I love that we're getting more diverse characters mm-hmm in Star Wars and makeup has been one of those things. And by the time we see Thrawn, which I feel like is inevitable, it will be really cool to see how they handle him. Um, So what is your experience with, with shading or anything like that? If you do it, I'm, 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 genuinely curious because i know nothing really about this process (laughs) okay so i'm horrible at any kind of face sculpting or changing my features with makeup i suck so bad at that i have no idea how people do that (laughs) people like allison who is the senpai of all senpai in that department uh I cannot do this to save my life so uh what I can do well Ray let's also <laughs> let's also say though we're not entirely convinced that Allison is not actually just like a witch probably right? like she I might don't... actually be a shapeshifter <laughs> living among us I found that uh, people who are very good at that they have a certain also not just skills and talent but certain type of a face that allows them more sure. flexibility and um because it's a, your canvas so depending on the shape of the canvas you can do with it and who you can transform into. And um, not only do I not have the skills to do that, but my face is extremely tricky to do this on, so I don't even try. And um, that's why uh, it's very interesting when people say, oh, you look just like this, you look just like that, you look just like this character. And it's interesting because I don't change my face at all. I literally do not know how to do that. The only thing I do is uh, I adjust the makeup. Makeup, let's say Ahsoka's lips are dark cherry, so I do that color. Sure. Iron Versio has this right. darker brows. Okay, so I'll do the darker brows. Or Hera has sure. this um, big lashes. Okay, I'll do the lashes. So things like this, or the, the the color of the blush. Maybe you know somebody has more pinkish cheeks. Somebody is more bronzy, more tan. So right. I will I will adjust just the shades. 
for Aiden Versio, since uh, the actress who played her, uh, she's mixed ethnicity. So I don't, of course, yeah. do anything to change my skin color, but I do tan pretty easy. So if I do a little bit of tanning, that works great because it just makes it closer. So she's not as olivey like I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> that healthy Gina glow, right? Mm -hmm. Or she, no, she's, that's, it's Janina, Janina right? Janina, yes. Yeah. yeah, Janina. So I never would change uh, my skin or features to resemble somebody of a different ethnicity. I know we don't do that. Uh, but I do adjust just the makeup. If if somebody has a you know winged eyeliner to make their eyes bigger, so okay, I'll do that. So, anyways, that that's all I do. I just adjust the makeup uh, like that. I do not change my facial features. And like you said, same situation. Uh, if you look at every single one of my characters, it's just me with just different makeup, different colors yeah. on me. Uh, but it's the same thing. So it's all the transformation goes from the inside, from the physicality, from the facial expression, from the angles. Sometimes you have to know which angle are better for which character because we're all uh asymmetrical that's awesome and, and i'm glad and thank you for kind of explaining that to me because i've always wondered like what that process was like i know general terms but that's it's cool to hear that so ray before as we're kind of wrapping up here i i, I want to just ask you a question about fulcrum because it it dropped not that long ago I love so many elements of it. I love seeing some of other people in the community that are featured in it. It's it, the setting is, is Point beautiful. Of the film Big Bear. was to kind of start stirring the pot to saying, imagine if we had some live action deep dive mm -hmm. stories into where Ahsoka had moved around. So it, it's not necessarily a, a, a linear story of A to B. I think the intention of what you're going for is that that's coming. It's more to let people know that we have talented costumers, filmographers, cinematographers, I'm sorry, having them be on board with saying we as a fan community could tell stories among ourselves. Is that is that a correct assessment? Well, in a way, yes. I think there's there's so much talent in Star Wars community, all kinds of talent. And of course, creative people thrive on creating stories. So uh, it's just a perfect yeah. material to do that. So uh, we just had that story inside of us and this dream Ahsoka film that we personally would love to see and it's not there. So we just decided, hey, well, we have we have this idea um, what Ahsoka would be doing in between Clone Wars and Rebels. And why don't we just take glimpses of that and put it on screen and see what that would look like because it's something we would like to see as fans and we had the, the, right, the people right, and um, some um opportunities to do this and so we did and i guess that was just us playing around with this concept uh and uh, i think that there's a lot of talented people who um also work in hollywood that uh could bring something new to Star Wars. So why not do it in, in a shape of a fan film or something like that? Because they are as talented as, as anyone else, professionals. So I guess it's fun to see that, but outside of Lucasfilm official products, because people who do that, it comes from their heart. They don't have a board of directors right. and all of that. They just tell the story that's inside of them. And sometimes it's very interesting to see because it's unconventional. It's not um, it's not filtered by anything. It's literally what they have in their mind. And it's uh, interesting to see those things. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's really cool to see. I'm definitely going to uh, help help share it and share your work and all the other people that were involved with, with really kind of diving into opportunity is what I, I took from it because I started seeing characters that I hadn't seen in live action before. And I'm, and I, I love that we saw some custom characters that like, they look so like John's, you know, custom Mandalorian, his character Breck. I mean, I'm like, Oh man, like I got to know more about Breck, even though I know him as a guy, but I, I want to know more about this character. So Ray, thank you so much for taking time to explain the process and the mystery of bringing characters that I think the fandom just absolutely loves to life. I'm, I'm looking forward to being at celebration and running into you and, and grabbing, we're, we're going to have to grab a couple pictures and I'm looking forward to, to meeting you. Um, let's do a lightning round. We'll ask you a couple questions and, and, and see <laughs> how you answer them and what comes to mind. Okay, Is that all right? Let's do it. Now, Ray, we know that uh, characters always have attachments to droids. We can never, characters can never <laughs> shake droids. Some characters have personal connections to droids. Depending on who you ask, people feel differently about droids. Din doesn't like them. Hera doesn't really have a choice. Chopper's coming with her. If you got to pick one Star Wars droid that you got to spend the rest of your days with of all of Star Wars, Ray, who would be K2. your droid? You didn't even hesitate. No. K2SO. Yeah, K2SO. Tell he's me my why. favorite. Well, Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. And he is just the epitome of sass and cleverness and badassery. So, yeah, that would be him. Well, Cassian said you had to, yep. so that makes sense. <laughs> All right, Ray. Which character's lightsaber, if you're allowed to take any lightsaber with you, fully functional, we don't have to worry about safety because we're just going to assume that you're already a Master Swords woman. What character's lightsaber do you choose? Well, that's a no-brainer. And no, I'm not. I would probably murder myself within the first five seconds. But but Ahsoka's <laughs> fulcrum ones. All right. Now I have oh, the fulcrum ones. Okay. So I was going to ask. I was like, are you a blue-green or are you Light. more the white one? So what it, what is it about the the, char- the that lightsaber specifically that makes you choose that over the emotional ones of, of Anakin Skywalker's prison? Mine are hanging above my bed. <laughs> so... It says something, well, because they're so unique and they, what they embody, they're not Jedi, they're not Sith, they're their own thing, their own path. Sure. Plus they're Japanese I think that's awesome. True, true, true. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. This might be a torn one for you because I know where your costumes side, but who has better costumes in Star Wars? The good guys or the bad guys? Oh, bad guys. Bad guys have better costumes. Which which bad guys? What are your favorite costumes on the bad guys? Um, well, I don't know. It might be a little bit weird, but I really love um, Krennic's cape. <laughs> That's not weird at all. That thing is awesome. I love that whole uniform. And of course, Iron Verse, too. Sure, sure. Okay, so you went with the, the all-white Imperial secu- or, uh, information mm-hmm. officer, and then you went with the Inferno yes. Squad. That looks good. Uh, Ray, your character, if you had one, your personal character, would you rather a lightsaber or a blaster at your side? Lightsaber. I'm assuming you're Ahsoka <laughs> lightsabers. Well, if I'm my own character, then it's going to be something else. Do you have a color of lightsaber that you think represents your personality? Well, I'll just take the dark saber if I can. <laughs> can I? <laughs> there you go. I don't have to worry about personality. If you're in possession, that is your personality. <laughs> I love that. 
If you could take your Ahsoka costume to any place in the world to photograph with, Ooh, where would it be? That's a great question. I would take it to Iceland. Oh, that's a good answer. Somewhere in particular that you've seen, or you just think the general, la the the geography of Iceland Pretty is just awesome. Pretty much almost anywhere. There's so many locations in there that just epic and uh, so Star Warsy. I think the glaciers parts. Um, in the mountains, it's yeah. so pretty. So, yes. That's so cool. I agree. I think that would be a fantastic spot. Uh, Ray, of any planet across all the Star Wars saga, which planet would you like to visit the most? Coruscant, and I'll probably stay there too. <laughs> <laughs> a planet covered by city. You have no, you just said Iceland for a beautiful place, but you want to go to the city. You want to yeah, go to the city planet. planet. It's so cyberpunk too. I mean, come on. Every time they show something in Coruscant, it looks like Blade Runner. Um, yes, Blade Runner, Star Wars. Yeah, I can see yep. that. The, fran the franchises are bleeding over here, using Ray as the <laughs> as the the vacuum to do so. Uh, Ray, let me ask you this: So you've already identified Coruscant as the planet you want to visit. If you could take any ship in Star Wars to get there, which ship would you take? Ooh. Well, uh, it's tough, but I would probably take. Um, I'm not. I, I don't remember the name, but but Padme's. Uh, it wasn't the cruiser. What was it? You know, that, that sleek, silver, shiny. Yeah, the all silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like her. A, uh, I think that's a, well, it's like her a, personal transport what, or something we, like that. It's just called the Naboo Royal Starship, I guess. Probably, yeah. But it's so sleek and futuristic well, looking, that. Well, Ray, thank you so much again for being on Armor Party. I am... I'm a fan of your work. I, I love how accommodating and how patient and how invested in the community that you are for being patient with people, for, for sharing resources. I really do think that this community is better off for having people who are like-minded and also understand that we're doing this for fun. We're doing this for passion of character. We're doing this for love of franchise. So I, I just wanted to say that as a fan of your work, thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to meet up with you at Celebration, which I, are, are you planning on going? I might have already put you out there and said, I'm assuming <laughs> yeah, you're going. Yeah, I have going. tickets. <laughs> okay, perfect. So that, that'll be it. Anaheim 2022, we'll definitely meet up. Um, Ray, where can people find you on social media if, the, if this is the first time they're hearing about you? Uh, and, and let us know where they can find you on social media and also what projects you have coming up. Well, thank you, first, uh, uh, first of all, for all the kind words. And likewise, I love what you're doing and keep doing it. Uh, you can find me on um, mostly Instagram. It's uh, ray.kenix and all over social media. It's just Ray Kenix, just my name. So on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, I just started TikTok. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I'll probably be there too. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. boy yeah. Uh, and the projects that I have in the works right now, well, I'm working on a music video. It has nothing to do with Star Wars, but it's still fun. Uh, but we're already conceptualizing the next Ahsoka film can't just sit still. Um, so that's going to be something, something sure. in the work soon. And I'm working on a new cosplays, finishing up uh, Padme and Ayla Sakura. So those will be coming up soon. And of course, photos and videos followed. Uh, and there's always something going on. We're always shooting something, working something. I'm working on a pilot for a TV show. So stay tuned. I always have exciting Thanks coming up. Well, that's great. And and make sure you follow along with Ray because it's one of the most entertaining accounts uh, in the costuming Instagrams 
the internets, whatever you call it. So follow Ray for a, a great look inside of what it takes to, to be a costumer and really the amount of dedication that goes into bringing characters to life. So again, Ray, thank you for being on Armor Party. Any last words for us? Well, I want to thank everyone and you, Mike, first and foremost, for having me and everyone for the support for the messages. It really feels very rewarding and inspiring to have a community that's just so good. And I'm very thankful to be a part of it. And remember, be kind to each other and keep creating. As in defiance of K2SO, I find that answer absolutely convincing. <laughs> thank you, Ray. Thank you. I destroyed him. I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. And that is a wrap with Ray Kennix. Make sure you check out her new fan film titled Fulcrum. It's on YouTube. And give her a follow. She and photographer Mark Edwards make absolute magic. And I'm always in awe of what they come up with. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forster. Armor Party is a part of the Thank the Maker Network. It's our sister podcast, consisting of band members from Yellow Card, Story of the Year, and Bayside, who share their collective love of Star Wars with current breakdowns and kind of the state of Star Wars as we know it right now. Give them a listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow along at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram. Our themes are written and composed by my talented friend, Alton James, and he is down to work with you on your next Star Wars fan film or project. Check out his insane portfolio of work at Alton underscore James on Instagram, and we will see you in two weeks. And always remember, being an adult is boring, but building Star Wars armor is anything but. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> <laughs>